The most important thing you could possibly do right now is open your Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'll give you a moment to find your place there. If you were here last week, you know that we started a brand new series and a brand new emphasis here at Gospel City Church, and we are learning about the church. We're learning that as church, we are family, and uh, we're calling people back to church. Church is back. The question is, are are you? And yes, I'm talking to you in your pajamas on your couch with that nice waffle and cup of coffee. We miss you. We want you to come back to church. We'll see you next week. For those of you that have gathered as the church, it's time to re- Remember the church. Do you remember how I introduced you to this phrase last week? Remember church. Now that doesn't mean don't forget church. That means it's time to embrace the responsibilities of membership. There's all kinds of reasons over the last 18 months why people have kind of checked out on church. We've been told church is not essential. Somehow that might have gotten into your mind and soul. Um, We think that there's a lot of reasons people haven't come back to church. Um, Number one, uh, Jesus is pruning his church. He promised to do that in John chapter 15. Uh, Cut off some dead branches and cut back some branches that needed to bear more fruit. So uh, God is pruning his church. We learned last week that the church is um, paranoid. We're afraid. We're afraid it's risky to come to church. You might catch something. You might get sick. Uh, We've been told that. Uh, People are polarized around all kinds of different issues and political posturing and things like that. And so the church has been polarized over the last 18 months. Um, We've been programmed for convenience. Uh, We kind of treat church, kind of like it's the convenience store. You know, I go to this convenience store, but get it, I get rewards at this convenience store rather than the convenience I get at this other store. That's not church. We're family. And uh, we've learned that people are picky about the way they want church. Some people want it loud. Some people want it quiet. Some people want it uh, big. Some people want it small. So we are treading through all of that in order to understand what it really means to be the church. Last week, we opened our Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, where we saw that Jesus promised to build his church. Take note, the church is the church of Jesus. It's his church. And when he said that, he used that word. He said, I'm building my ecclesia. It's a Greek word, and it means gathering. It means assembly. Um, It means a group of people who are called out of the world, out of that assembly into this assembly. And then it doesn't stop there. As soon as they're called out, Jesus does what? Sends them right back in. So that's the movement of the church. And whenever you think of church as a place, you stop the movement. Take note, church is not a place where we gather. Church is a people that are part of a movement. And so church is about people. So we're going to talk about the responsibilities this morning of the family. There are some family responsibilities within the church, and we need to understand what those things are. Um, And I have two people in mind this morning, okay? Two groups of people in this room right now, people watching online as well. First of all, I'm thinking of people that we consider guests around here. I've already met some people here this morning for the very first time. They got parked on the second row because a crazy member of the church drugged them down here to church and parked them on the second row. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. And you are part of the family gathering. This is just the family room. We're having a family chat here. And you are so welcome. This is an open gathering of 
the church, but as guests, we don't expect you to act like the family. We don't even expect you really to understand the family. The family's kind of weird. You gotta be a part of the family to kind of understand the family. And so if you're a guest, just we apologize for our weirdness, but uh, we want to welcome you into the family. I'm also talking to some guests. You've been a guest of the family for years. You come and park yourself in the family room every week and yet you've never declared your membership as part of the family. I'm calling you out. I'm lovingly asking you to embrace some of the responsibilities that it means to be a part of the family. Now, I'm also talking to a second group of people. I'm talking to the membership of Gospel City Church. You've attended, you're faithful in coming, you've come to the membership, class, you've met with an elder, you've been welcomed into the family, but maybe over the course of the last couple of years, you've been paranoid, or you've become polarized, or you've been pruned, or you're getting really picky, and we are calling you back. It's time to remember. Embrace the responsibilities that are part of being the family. I had somebody this week who um, is one of the sweetest people in our church. And she came up to me and she asked a very sincere question. She said, I've been attending your church for a long time. Am I a member? Now, that was a very genuine question. And I would put it this way. Um, how many of you have dinner at your house with the family. Raise your hand if you have family. Or how many of you just go to Chick-fil-A every day? That's just, that's your default dinner, right? And that's okay too, right? And that'd be all right. But um, a typical family, there are a couple of times maybe throughout the week where the whole family assembles for the family supper or the family dinner. Now, um, at my house, that takes place regularly. And I have had to learn from my precious wife, Andrea, that there are some responsibilities that go into the family dinner. That the person who actually cooks the meal shouldn't also be responsible for buying the groceries, setting the table, washing the dishes, and taking out the trash all in favor of that not being all on one person. I see those hands out there. I see some sweet, wonderful ladies out there that would like the rest of the family to take some responsibility when it comes to serving the meal, right? Now listen, there's times that we have in our home guests, and we do not expect the guests to set the table. We don't expect the guests to take out the trash. We have zero expectation of guests but we have a lot of expectation for the members of the family to embrace some responsibility. Now, if you convert that to what we expect around here in the church family, if you are a guest, we have zero expectation that you would bring anything to the table. We expect our guest to come and enjoy the meal. We expect you to consume our groceries. But here's the thing. The members of the family think that if you keep showing up, you kind of like this family. You kind of like the meals that you're eating. And at some point, there is a little bit of an expectation that you would kind of fold in to the family. 
You don't become a part of the church family by simply showing up and eating the meal every week. You become a part of the church family when you declare, I love this family so much and the father of this family so much that I am going to declare I want to take responsibility for what goes on around here. And when you do that, guess what we're going to expect you to do? Take out the trash. Because we're a messy family. And we make a lot of messes. And we would expect you from time to time to even buy some of the groceries. To throw in financially. To fund what happens around here. To prepare and serve the meal. Are you getting the analogy? And so let me just tell you, if you're one of those guests that have been around here for a while, or maybe this is even your first time, we can... Uh, we are giving you an opportunity to declare, I want to be a part of this family tonight at five o'clock. Our welcome home class is all about people saying, hey, I like this family. I mean, they're kind of messed up, but so am I. I seem like I might fit right in. And it's your opportunity to come and we'll give you three hours of the best download of information about all the family history, all the family quirks, all the family secrets, there are no secrets, all the family traditions, all what we believe is a family and how we act as a family. That's what tonight is all about. Now, for those of you that are members of the family and it's time for you to remember, August 29th is the day that we've set aside for our covenant renewal and say, I'm going to renew my responsibilities and my declaration that I am a part of this family. And that's why we've set aside the whole day. It's going to be a carnival atmosphere. It's like a family reunion. It's like a family picnic around here on August the 29th. Make sure you're here. And some of you don't know the rest of the members of the family. That's a great opportunity to come and like, hey, I don't recognize you. Who are you? What do you do? Some people that come to the second service. You've never met because they come to the second service. This is a time for all of us just to have some time to get to know other members of the family. Now, these family responsibilities that we are talking about are outlined for us in this text of scripture that I ask you to open up to. First Thessalonians, that implies there was a second Thessalonians and the apostle Paul, who actually planted this church, is writing back to the family and he's reminding them of their responsibilities as members of the family. And so I want to read for you here what this letter says to the family. I'm just going to read beginning in verse 12 and read all the way down to verse 28. Please follow along with me. Listen to the reading of God's word. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. I hear all kinds of pages rattling like right now. Did I give you the wrong reference earlier or are you just now, like that introduction was so good I couldn't even take time to, to open my Bible. I'm glad you're there now. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 12. We ask you brothers. Do you see the family reference there? He considers these people brothers. We're in the same family. We ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. I just got to tell you verse 12, verse 13, top five verses for every pastor in this church. We love those verses. Verse 14, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another 
and to everyone. Notice the difference. The one another's refers to the family. The everyone refers to the guests of the family, to everyone outside the family. So we're to do good to all. Verse 16, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, May the God of all peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, third time he uses the family reference. Pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. When's the last time you obeyed that verse? in church. Like, you might catch something nowadays if you do that. Verse 27, I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the, what? Brothers. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So, let's talk about five family responsibilities. First of all, we're going to talk about the responsibilities of the leaders of the family to the members of the family. If you're a leader in this church, this point is for you. It tells us three responsibilities of elders in verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you, who are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work, the work of the leaders. So who are the leaders here at our church? Now, different churches will be governed and structured different ways. Let me tell you how Gospel City Church is governed and led. We are an elder-led church. The word elder uh, is an interesting word in the New Testament. It, the word is actually presbuteros, which kind of reminds you of the Presbyterians, right? It's just simply uh, the way that a church is governed. And the word presbuteros is translated into three English words in our Bible, synonymous, elders, pastors, and bishops. So in our cultural context, we have a council of elders. There are 11 men who are, have been uh, thoroughly examined to be biblically qualified as the elders, the leaders, the primary directional, doctrinal, and discipleship leaders of the church. Um, eight of those men are non-staff elders. Three of us are on-staff elders. So, Pastor Nathan, Pastor Wes, and Pastor Trent are the vocational elders, you might say. We're also pastors. So, you have these 11 men. We meet on Wednesday night, every other week, and what, we, what do you talk about in there? I know people, they think of a dark, smoky room with a single light bulb, and we're in there like maniacal, like, how can we make this, this, the lives of the people in our church miserable? That's our job, right? No, these are men who love you and love the church and love the Lord so much that they have embraced the responsibility that comes with leading. Now, beyond those 11 elders on the council of elders, we have other pastors in the church, and they're on staff, and they have been delegated to lead and, and to execute the direction that comes from the elders. Beyond that, we have directors on our staff. Beyond that, we have flock leaders who are over 
small group leaders, and we just kind of considered those people micro-pastors of a, of a small flock. So you see the different layers of church. I think last week, Wes asked all of you people to stand. And so I just want to say, first of all, thank you for accepting the responsibility that goes with leadership. And here's our responsibility. It's outlined right there in verse 12 and 13. We are to labor among the members. The word labor there means to expend yourself, to exhibit great effort, even to the point of exhaustion. How many of you leaders in the church have ever been exhausted? Raise your hand if you've ever been exhausted as a small group leader, a flock leader, a pastor, or an elder. Notice the senior pastor has his hand in the air. This can be exhausting. That doesn't mean it's not worth it. It just means responsibility is labor. It takes hard work. In Acts chapter 6, it says that the work, the labor, boils down to two things. It's the ministry of prayer and the ministry of the word. This is thought work. It's spiritual work. Ephesians chapter 4 says the work is actually the work of equipping the saints to do the work of the ministries. Do you understand? The elders and the pastors of your church are not the ones that are supposed to do the work. The elders and the pastors are the ones to equip the saints to do the work of the church. That's what Ephesians 4 tells us. And it tells us we're to watch over the members. Notice it says that they're over us. Now, that, that implies there's some authority and responsibility there. But a faithful, humble servant leader is the one who is to watch over. That means we have to have our eyes on what's going on in your lives and know how to help you navigate the challenges and the threats that are out there. It means that we provide protection and direction to you. Now listen, if you're not a member of the church, it is not the responsibilities of the elders and the pastors to watch over you. We would love to offer you the spiritual oversight that involves protecting you and directing you as you try to navigate a scary world. But if you don't declare I'm part of the family, quite honestly, you're not our responsibility. Would you like somebody to take responsibility for you? He's like, yeah, I need some help. Then you need to become a member of the family. That helps us identify who we're to watch over. And then thirdly, we're to admonish the members. That means to instruct, to warn. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. Here's the second responsibility that's listed in this passage. Not just the responsibility of leaders to the members, but now the responsibilities of members to the leaders. And again, we notice here it says that we are to respect your leaders. It means that you're to give honor and to esteem highly those that are carrying the weight and the weighty responsibility of leading the church. You should respect the fact that it's a heavy weight. You should respect the fact that it takes time. It's costly. It's exhausting. And you really need to respect the fact that to embrace the responsibility of leadership means that you are under constant spiritual attack. The devil would love nothing more than to take out one of the leaders in your church. By God's grace, he's protected us. Pray for your leaders, respect your leaders. And then it says that we are to love our leaders. It says that we're to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. 
not because they are lovable, but because of, their, because of their work, their labor. And that word esteem very highly, it means above all measure. In other words, there's no amount of love you could express to the leaders of your church that would ever cross the line is like, yeah, they didn't need all that. That was excessive love. You, you won't ever reach that point. Just love your leaders. Express your love to your small group leaders. Express your love to your pastors and your elders. Esteem them very highly because of their work. That's one of the things that has made Gospel City Church one of the greatest churches I have ever heard of in the existence of all of the world. You people love your leaders, and we are so grateful. It, it sustains us. That's why that we don't have a high turnover rate on our elder team or our staff team. We are well-loved. Thank you for that. Now, if you really want to love your leaders, listen to your leaders, okay? Nothing expresses love more than actually listening, listening, learning, and living the way we are teaching you to live. Not because it's our idea, it's because we're simply responsible for the ministry of the word. The greatest way you can love your leader is to obey what he says. And don't make yourself a conversation in the elder meeting. You know, we talk about y'all. Oh, did you hear what so-and-so's up to? Oh, somebody's going to have, who wants to go talk to that person? Yeah, we love you so much that sometimes we have to have uncomfortable conversations with you. That's what it means to admonish. So, love your leaders, listen to your leaders. Here's the third responsibility. It's the responsibility of members to members, family members to family members. I thought about saying responsibility of brothers to brothers, okay? This is y'all, okay? So, Beyond what happens in an elder meeting, beyond what happens from a small group leader down to a member, y'all just need to take care of each other. And that's what he says here in verse 14. He says, at the end of verse 13, he says, be at peace among yourself. That would be a blessing. Um, every pastor I know grieves the thought that we get like 40 minutes on Sunday to try to encourage you to do the right thing you know, fuel your relationship with the Lord, love one another, and we're going to send you right back out in the world that's going to instigate you to fight and divide and to fuss. Church members are like hunting dogs. How many of you have ever been around some hunting dogs? You know these hunting dogs? Man, you, you give them a scent and you tell them to go. They work as a team to find what was lost. But if you put the hunting dogs just together and they don't have anything to do, they're not on mission, they start growling at each other. They start biting each other. Church members are like that. Family members are like that. When we are on mission, fulfilling the Great Commission, realizing there is work to be done, there is a gospel to be preached, there are people that have never heard the name of Jesus. When we're on mission, we work together great. We're at peace among ourselves. When we stand around and look at each other and start critiquing one another and fussing with one another, that's when we start growling. Be at peace among yourselves. Look at verse 14. Very important verse. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all. I was telling Pastor Nathan this morning, this is the foundational Bible verse for all biblical counseling and soul care because it identifies 
three different types of people in the church and three different approaches specifically for those three different people going through three different scenarios in their lives. Notice the three different types. There are idle people in the church. There are faint-hearted family members. And there are weak family members. And there's three different approaches. We're to admonish, we're to encourage, and we're to help. And it's important that you match the right approach with the right condition. Let me tell you, one of my greatest failures as a pastor and one of my greatest failures is a husband is that I, by default, think that the cure for every problem is admonishment. I've got a sermon for you. I've got a Bible verse for you. I've got some urgency in my voice. That's admonishment. And that is appropriate for one-third of the people in the church. But there are these others. Let's take a look at them here. First of all, it does say, idle members need admonition. It says, admonish the idle. The, the word idle there is what type of people are we talking about? Interestingly, the New American Standard Version of the Bible, it translates that word unruly. These are people who are out of step. It's a military term in the Bible that means out of rank or out of step with the rest of the company. These people are out of alignment. They're lagging behind. And the idea here is that they're really in rebellion against the leadership that has been given. They're not just stopped. They have dug in their heels and they do not want to follow. And when that happens in the church, the way that you approach these people is to admonish them. They need admonition. And so what does that mean? It, it literally means, the word literally means to put into someone's head. The assumption is, if you knew better, you would do better. So we need to have a conversation. There is a warning involved. The way that you're talking, the way that you're acting has negative consequences for you, your family, and this church. And we love you and your family and your church so much, we need to warn you, you need to get back in step. You need to come back in line. You need to repent of sin. You need to seek forgiveness. And you need to come back into alignment with the rest of us. That's what that word means. Now, I'm talking to some of you who are idle. You're here this morning. Thank you for being here. I'm, some of you are not here because you're idle. And I want to admonish you. Repent. Come back into alignment. Remember your responsibilities within the church to seek the Lord with all your heart, to align yourself under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Some of you are out of alignment with the sexual ethic that Jesus taught us. You're idle. You need to be warned. What you are doing has grave consequences for you, your relationship with the Lord, your relationship with your family, and your relationship with this church. You need to be admonished. 
that's a spiritual gift for me. I like to do that. that. I just get up in the morning and look for somebody who needs some admonishment, right? But that's a problem because I wake up every morning in my home and my wife is not idle. Sometimes my wife is in the second category. She's faint-hearted. That's what it says. Faint-hearted members, they don't need admonition. They need encouragement. It says, encourage the faint-hearted. So this word, faint-hearted, what does it mean? The New, Amer the New International Version translates that word timid. It means literally small of soul. It means they're afraid. It means they're fearful. Maybe it's because of trauma that they've experienced the day before or five minutes before. Maybe it's because of some family trauma in the past. They're faint-hearted. Maybe it's because of some church trauma that they've experienced in the past. They've run into one of our crazy uncles in the family and that person's been less than kind and they've been so disappointing and they, they've been hypocritical in their faith. And so these people, they're pretty timid coming back to church because they're afraid that they might get burned again. These people don't need admonition. These people need encouragement. And some of you are in this category. Some of you have been burned at another church. Some of you have been disappointed in a leader. Some of you have had someone sin against you or shame you or the tone has been wrong in the way that somebody's tried to preach God's word to you. Listen, can I just encourage you? The Lord loves to heal hurt. And so there's encouragement available. What does this word encouragement mean? It literally means to come alongside. It means to get close enough that the person giving the encouragement actually feels the pain of the person who needs the encouragement. I need to do better at that in my home as a husband. I need to be doing that better with my children. I need to be doing that better with the members of our church. Encouragement is the glue of a church family. Wherever there's an absence of encouragement, there is the presence of fear. But wherever there is the presence of encouragement, there is the absence of fear. So our responsibility, member to member, is to remove fear, to inspire hope. It's going to be okay. A better day is coming. To stimulate effort. You, you can come. You can embrace responsibility. It's safe. And to strengthen relationships. And that happens so often for people who are faint-hearted. They need to learn to forgive those that have wounded them. And that can only happen as we encourage them to say, come along. This is a safe place. We're going to come alongside you. We're going to walk with you. We're going to help you. There's a third category that's mentioned here. It says that we are to help the weak. Now, I want you to notice, we're not told to admonish the weak. We're not told to encourage the weak. We're told to help the weak. Notice again, we're not told to help the idle. <laughs> we're to warn them and to rebuke them and to preach to them and call them to repentance. We're not told to encourage the idle. No, they don't need encouragement. As Pastor Nathan told me this morning, they need a kick in the pants. That's what they need. But for weak people, 
What weak people need is just some help. Weak does not mean bad. Weak means weak. Like a child is weak. Like a baby is weak. Um, a two-day-old baby doesn't need admonition to walk. What are you doing just laying there? Get up and walk. That, that would be poor leadership, right? What they need is help. You need to feed them. You need to help them up. And over time, guess what? Those muscles build and they learn to walk. And so we have weak people. There, there's people here, they're brand new baby Christians. Welcome to the family. And we, you're so cute. <laughs> and you're such a mess. And we have to clean you up and change your diapers, all that. But you know what? We want you to grow, and pretty soon you're going to be able to embrace responsibility around here. But we need to understand who we're actually dealing with. And so we help the weak. We hold them up. We support them. And the strong are always to help the weak. This is a recurring theme. Are you reading your 100 days? 100 days through the New Testament? You will see it on almost every page of your Bible. Those who are strong have the responsibility to help the weak. Those who are advantaged have the responsibility to help the disadvantaged. It is an inescapable biblical truth that when you are in a position of strength, you are to use your strength not to protect what you have, but to help the weak. Now, there's one more category here. It just, and I love it. It just said, be patient with them all. All of the weak, all of the idle, all of the faint-hearted are going to require an abundant amount of patience, which means you're going to have to trust God's timing until He brings change to these people. All members need patience. Then verse 15, see to it that no one repays evil for evil, but always seeking to do good to one another. Do you see that term, one another? Underline that in your Bible. Do you know that that phrase occurs over 50 times in the New Testament? We're to forgive one another. We're to encourage one another. We're to do good to one another. And so that is our marching assignment. And listen, you cannot obey the commands related to one another's from a distance. You can't do it from your couch at home. If you're doing it from your couch at home, watching online, you got your favorite Spotify worship playlist, you are contributing nothing to the one another's of Scripture. You have to be in proximity. You have to be in relationship. You have to show up to the family table in order to exercise the one another's. Number four, fourth responsibility, is the responsibility of members to the Lord. And he gives you these bumper sticker statements that fall into two categories. You got the always statements and you got the never statements. It's just this, always rejoicing, always praying, always thankful. Anybody want to be around a family like that? Like, I, I, could I exchange the family I'm in for that one, right? These are our marching orders. These are family traditions. These are family trademarks. These are family secrets. This is what the family looks like. Always rejoicing. Do you see what he says? He said in verse, um, in verse 16, always rejoicing. And then praying without ceasing. If you hang around the family, you're going to have abundant things to pray about because everybody's got needs. 
That's why we have the monthly Fresh Encounter prayer meeting. And yet, that ought to carry us so that we're always in spiritual conversation with the Lord, thinking and praying about those that are hurting and praying, and then always thankful. I love this verse. It says in verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And the question's asked, like, see that part where it says will of God? Like, is, is it the will of God that I give thanks, or is it the will of God that I'm in these circumstances? Answer? Yes, absolutely. Whatever circumstance you're in, no matter how negative it may be, you can rest assured in the providential care of God. He's not taken by surprise. That's the will of God for you right now. And in that circumstances, it is also the will of God that you thank God for that circumstance. You say, what if this circumstance is the result of somebody else's sin? Do I thank God for sin? No. You thank God that he is big enough, wise enough, and cares about you enough that his grace is sufficient for you in that circumstance. Thank you, God. I don't understand it. I thank you. Any other response will drive a wedge between you and your relationship with God. So those are the always statements. And then the never statements, never quenching the spirit, simple statement, right? Um, Do not quench the spirit, never despising God's word. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. The prophecies, we have prophets in the Old Testament. We have the prophecies that are in the written word of God are just simply God declaring what is true. And whether you think this has anything to do with like modern day prophecies or old prophecies, the idea is we listen to God's word as authoritative above all. We test those things that may seem out of bounds according to the written word of God. And then finally, don't ever do evil. It's like sometimes around the office when it gets really complicated, like what should we do and what should our approach be and how do we disciple these people? The number one rule, it's kind of like the rule of a, past, uh, the rule of a doctor, don't ever cause harm. Just don't ever kill anybody. Sometimes that's how bad it gets in the office. Like we just won't kill them. That's what we'll do. We, we will not do evil to these people, okay? That'll be our, our that's the, just don't do that, okay? As we try to love you, as we try to lead you. And listen, the family of God is fed by the word of God. Last thing, it's the responsibility of the Lord to the members. Love the way this passage ends. Look at verse 23. Now, after I said all that, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Can I tell you that those two verses are the only reason that pastors and elders and leaders in the church can sleep at night? Is to understand ultimately your sanctification is not my responsibility. Your sanctification is God's responsibility. He who called you, that's the way your relationship with the Lord starts, will be faithful to finish what he started. And so whatever's going on in your life, you can can run to the Lord and say, Lord, there's stuff going on in my spirit. 
There's stuff going on in my soul. There's stuff going on in my body. And the Lord says, I got it. I'm faithful. You don't ever have to worry about whether or not God's going to finish what he started. Now I want you to stand together with me. Heads bowed, eyes closed. And before you think about what you're going to do next, can I ask you, are you willing to remember church? If you're a guest, thank you for being here. I hope you felt like you were well fed. I want to invite you to take the next step and help buy some of the groceries around here. Help set the table and help serve the meals. Take out the trash. Lots of responsibility. We need more leaders around here to step into a position of leadership and to carry weight. And for those of you that are members that have gotten off course, you've been in a ditch, I want to invite you, come back. Come back to the position of responsibility. Maybe the first step for some of you is just to show up tonight at five o'clock. There's already 76 people signed up tonight. I'm praying for 100 be the largest welcome home class we've ever had in the church. We got room for you. Just let us know you're coming so we can buy some food and get some childcare for all your kids. But you know what? You can't be part of the family unless you're in right relationship with the Father. You've got to, first of all, be adopted into the family. Another term for that is being born again. You're born physically. You're born spiritually. You become a child of God through the new birth. If that's never happened for you, stop trying to earn God's favor by taking a bunch of responsibilities at church. It's not the way you become a part of the family. It's getting in right relationship with the Father. For those of you that have been idle, unruly, repent. Come back to Him. There's grace available for you. For those of you that are scarred and wounded and you can see all the flaws and imperfections in the church. Trust me, nobody sees them better than us. You need to trust the Lord. He's faithful. He will do it. Father, today, thank you for the door that's open to come into your family. Thank you for these family members that have loved your leaders so well. And I pray, God, that we could truly say that we are at peace with one another. I pray that uh, the testimony of this church is that those people love each other. I want to be a part of that family where they love each other. They're always rejoicing. They're always praying. They're always doing good to one another. Father, make that the testimony, all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.